I like it when it rains. I know that's weird, but I just do. I like the rain. You know, sometimes people are like, I wish you'd quit raining. And on the inside, I'm like, I don't. And even more than rain, I like storms. I think storms are cool. I like it when thunder booms, and, and I like it when lightning flashes in the sky. My wife kind of likes it, too. She's not scared of storms, either. And we used to go out there and just kind of watch them. I passed that down to my oldest son, too. He likes it when it rains. Uh, we were watching Titus's little songs play on the YouTube the other day. You know, you ever get on YouTube, and it's like, play the kids' songs. Keeps them occupied. Oh, yeah, like y'all never do that. Okay, great. Y'all are awesome, epic parents here that never use YouTube to quell their children. Okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so they're playing Titus' little songs, and he's watched them. And he dances, man. He's having a good time. And this one comes on, rain, rain, go away, right? Rain, rain, go away. And Logan's like, man, they're weak. They should just go play in the rain. It's like, yeah. But, man, I like the rain. I've always, always kind of liked I always kind of like the rain, and I, I, I've got a, I've got an ant, that, a great ant that's on the other end of the spectrum, right? And so if it gets a little misty outside, she's going to the basement. I mean, I used to stay over there when I was a little kid, and they would wake me up at 3 in the morning and maybe go get in the basement because it was thundering outside, you know? They'd be like, wake up! Wake up! Come on! we got to run for cover! And I'm like, what's going on? And I tell my mom, can't they just let me sleep? But no, that's not an option for them. I'm just always kind of been like that and we used to live in a we used to live in a single wide trailer out there on off highway 88 on thomas Bend road going towards canmer y'all know where that is uh so we lived out there in a little single wide trailer me and angela were sitting there in the trailer just hanging out one night watching tv just the two of us it was back when there was just us two and then we're watching whatever program we're watching on channel 13 and then all of a sudden our tv program gets interrupted by WBKO Storm Alert Team, Chris Allen, you know, the weather commando. He jumps out there on the screen and he's like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a storm of epic proportions. It's biblical. Like revelation is happening right now. Run for, you guys know what I'm talking about. Run for, it's like DEFCON 4 on WBKO. And they're like, he's got like a headset on like I do. And they're like in the command room. And it's like they're going to war against the storm. And... <laughs> But, but it was funny because he was directly addressing us off the TV, right? He was like, if you are just south of Mumfordville, if you're close to Hardyville and Canberra, if you're in this little triangle, you are going to die. Get in a basement, and if you don't have a basement, dig a hole, get inside the hole, and then cover yourself up. Because hell is being unleashed on you right now. And I was like, oh gosh, this is serious. So I did what any born-bred South Central Kentucky boy does when you hear that there's a storm coming. I had to go look. And I was like, baby, I don't see nothing. And she was like, what do you mean you don't see nothing? He says, we're all going to die. And I was like, I don't see nothing. So then I did what any, you know, red-blooded Hart County boy would do. I went and opened the door, looked outside, and I was like, no, I don't see nothing. And so she walks up there beside me, and she's like, I don't see nothing either. And like, he's still on the video, like, screaming. And I'm like, well, it finally happened. She's like, what? Like, oh, Chris finally lost his mind. Because, I mean, he was cl he's been close for a while, right? 
And I know some of y'all know him, and y'all can tag him in this if you want to. That's fine. But he's been close for a minute. So I was like, yeah, he's, he's lost it. Because, like, literally, there's not a cloud in the sky. I mean, it's like early evening. It's just getting dark, you know. I don't see any clouds. Like, there's not a raindrop. The, the, the grass is not even swaying. Like, there's not a wind blowing. There's nothing. And then it kind of strikes me. There's nothing. I don't hear a car rooming down the road. I don't hear a dog barking. I don't hear a cow mooing. And then it really struck me. I don't hear any crickets chirping. Let me explain something to you. For anybody that, I know we got people that watch from Los Angeles, California, and Chicago, Illinois, and stuff like that, and Louisville, and Nashville. If you're in South Central Kentucky, in this rural area, just as the sun is going down behind the hills, and you don't hear any crickets chirping, something's wrong. And I was like, you know, baby, it might be a little too quiet out here. And she was like, yeah, I know. I don't hear, even hear any crick. And about the time she said crick, the lights went out like that. And I was like, the lights went out. And about that time, have you ever felt thunder that rattled the skeleton inside your flesh? You know, that one that's like, boom. And all the windows rattle like your teeth chattered together. It was like that. And then like lightning flashed and just stayed flashed. Like it was a camera flash that went off in your eyes and it just stayed like that for about a minute and a half. And I was like, uh-oh. Because you know what? I'm not scared of storms. But there's always that one. Do, do you remember the one in your life? You know, yeah, probably most of y'all, maybe y'all aren't scared of storms either, but there was that one, wasn't there? And you're thinking about it right now. You're like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's that one. This was the one. About that time, I hear Chris Allen on the TV, and he sounds like Jim Ross off WWE. And he's like, by gosh, there's rotation. Because <laughs> listen real close. Just because there's silence in heaven don't mean nothing's happening. Sometimes you got to wait for it. Sometimes you got to wait for it. And so anyway, this storm came and our little trailer got swayed from side to side and we went and hid in a closet, right? Just the two of us with the door closed. And I was praying, oh Lord Jesus, please save us from this storm that I said that I wasn't afraid of. And the thunder boomed and it was dark and it was scary and I thought it was going to blow our little trailer away and it broke some windows and tore every tree down in the yard and did everything that you could ever imagine a storm doing. Then it was over. And we survived. And I said, thank you, Jesus, for saving our lives, for sparing us on this day. And oh, yeah, Mr. Allen, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. Can somebody give God praise for a merciful God that we serve today? (laughs) And to reiterate my point, just because there's silence in heaven doesn't mean that nothing's happening. Sometimes you just have to, sometimes you gotta, would you guys stand for the reading of God's word today? (laughs) We stand to honor God's word because this word means something to us, doesn't it?
This word means something to us. We get all this information flooding in from all over the world, and we got the news media telling us one thing, and we got the CDC telling us something else, and we got the White House telling us something else, and we got social media telling us something else. Listen, all that stuff can say whatever it wants. I get my truth from right here, never changing. All this stuff is going to fall away and crumble to dust. But you know what? The Word of God will last forever. Can you say amen? amen? Now, the Christmas story doesn't start in Bethlehem. Doesn't start in Bethlehem. So we're going to start in the Old Testament. The book of Malachi in chapter 4. This it's how the Old Testament ends, right? This is how the Old Testament ends. For some of you guys may not know, there's two distinct parts of the Bible. The Old Testament, before Christ came, in the flesh, and the New Testament, which begins as Christ begins to make his entrance. And in between those two things, 400 years of complete silence in heaven. God didn't say nothing for 400 years. But you know what? Just because there's silence in heaven doesn't mean nothing's happening. Sometimes you just got to... Book of Malachi, chapter 4. I know they're going to start in verse 5. I'm going to start in verse 4, just one verse before that. We'll change that in between services. It's fine. Verse 4 says this. Remember the instruction of Moses, my sermon, my servant, the state, yeah, remember my sermon too. This is more important. Remember the instruction of Moses, my servant, the statutes and the ordinances I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. That was the Ten Commandments, by the way, in case you don't know. Verse 5, look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. See, the day that the Lord comes is going to be great for some and terrible for others. you understand that? But before that happens, he's going to send us a prophet with the power of Elijah. Verse 6, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. The Old Testament ends with a promise and a curse. And then for 400 years, God says nothing. But just because there's silence in heaven, let's pray. God, today, open up our hearts to this word. Open up our spirits to your presence, God. And Lord, let us understand that the promise comes before the curse. And that if we will put our faith in the promise, then we don't even have to worry about the curse. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we invite you into this place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give him a shout of praise and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, man. The uh, Christmas story doesn't start in Nazareth when Mary gets a visit from the angel. The Christmas story doesn't start in Bethlehem when Christ is born in the manger. No, this part of the Christmas story actually starts in Jerusalem. You know that? Starts in the temple of the living God. Because the Bible says that before the Messiah comes, there was going to be a way maker. Before the Bible comes, there were, or excuse me, before the Messiah comes, there was going to be a prophet crying out 
a voice crying out uh, in the wilderness. I like what uh, Brother J.R. read before he sang the first song. Your cousin Elizabeth, even though she's of old age, is going to bear a son. Because with God, anything is possible. And you see, the name of that son was John. John the Baptist. And John came to prepare the way for the Lord. God was silent for 400 years. And then when he spoke, he spoke to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. He was the first one that God would speak to after the 400 years of silence. Standing there in the midst of the temple that would soon come crashing down and be replaced with the son that was to be born. So we're actually going to skip forward today as we begin our study into the book of Luke in chapter 1. And we are going to start in verse 5. And the Bible says this, In the days of King Herod of Judas, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. And his wife was from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. So God's going to speak after 400 years of silence. And so he had to find somebody that was ready to listen. You understand what I'm saying? So when God speaks, he's going to find somebody that's ready to listen. That's ready to listen. You know, he's not going to speak to us if, if our heart condition is all jacked up, if our attention is all focused somewhere else. And, and, and so he was going to speak to somebody that was ready to listen. When, when God was ready to establish the, the, the covenant with his, with his people, he went to Abraham, who was a man that was righteous in his eyes. When, when God went to save the lineage of, of, of the people so that the Savior could be born, he went to Noah, who was a man that was found righteous in his eyes. When God went to pour out the Holy Spirit on the Gentile people, he went to Cornelius, a man that was found righteous in his eyes. And, and, and that righteousness doesn't mean that they were perfect. You know what it means? It means that they were trying. It means that they were trying, that they were listening, that they were going towards God, that they had their eyes focused on Jesus to come, that they had their eyes focused on the Lord, that they had their ears peeled to heaven. The Bible says this in verse 7, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. That's really politically correct, isn't it? They were well along in years. These, what he's trying to say is they were old as dirt. All their baby-making parts was dried up. But see, this was the setup. You hear what I'm saying? This was the setup. See, there's always a setup. See, God is a problem solver. Somebody say amen. And for God to display himself as problem solver, there has to be a problem to be solved. So Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind. Why? Because people couldn't see. He came to open the ears of the deaf because people couldn't hear. He came to, to make the lame to walk because people was crippled and they couldn't get up. He came to make people clean because we got ourselves really, really unclean. He came to breed, to be the resurrection of life. You know why? Because we was dead. He came to break the chains of sin in our life because for whatever reason, we just love to wrap ourselves up and lock ourselves in a prison of sin and death and darkness. Because that's why he came. God's a problem solver. And so whenever there's a problem, man, he's going to solve it. I, I just had Ice Ice Baby stuck in my head. Never mind. It's, it's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> got a problem yo jesus will solve it and never mind dude never mind 
And so Elizabeth is barren. She can't have children. And this is a problem. And guess what? God is the problem solver. And he's about to handle this problem. Verse 8, the Bible says this. When his division was on duty, speaking of Zechariah, and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot to, according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. You think that dice just fell on them numbers on its own? No, my God's got his hand on everything. Verse 10, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. I've told you guys that God fills the incense burner in his throne room with the prayers of his people. It's like when we talk to God, it, it, it's what he fills his throne room with. It's, it's this essence, this incense, that this, this scent, this perfume that he fills his throne room with is the prayers of his people. And, and some people are like, no, I, I pray too much. I, I ask God. I ask God too much. I, I, I feel like I shouldn't ask him all these like minuscule things. I should wait until something big happens. No, you don't, you don't understand what prayer is. You don't understand what prayer is. God fills his throne room with the essence of the prayers of his people. There is nothing that he would rather hear than for you to cry out to him in his name. And that's how he hears this man as he breathes that in. And, and would you think that it was a coincidence that when he decides to speak back to us that his angel shows up right to the right of the incense burner in the throne, in, in, in the temple grounds? Because that's where he's going to speak back to us at is in prayer. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to talk to God, man, you talk to God. And when he begins to speak back to you, man, it'll come through your prayer life. And when you open up this book right here, that's where it's going to happen. And that's where it does happen. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. Well, I guess so. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Do you hear that? His prayer has been heard. Now, they've been praying a long time. Because like I said, they've already passed the age of childbearing. They've been praying for a baby for a long, long time. Probably since they first got married. And you know, it was customary in that culture that they probably would have got married. I mean, Elizabeth probably wouldn't have been more than 12 or 13 or 14 years old when they got married. That's just the truth of, of the culture way back when. And, and, and now they've passed the age, you know, where, you're, where they're able to conceive, which is pretty far up there, right, babe? We, <laughs> we proved that. And they've been praying this whole time. And they probably thought that their prayers hadn't been heard, right? They probably thought that their prayers hadn't been heard. And they've been praying this over and over and over and over and over. And, and, and later in Scripture, you'll see that Elizabeth says that, that when this does happen, that it erases her shame. But do you, if, if her shame got erased, you know what that meant? This whole time that she's been filled with shame. She's been ashamed. And so she's been hurt by this for all these many years. And they felt like nothing was happening. And they felt like God didn't hear their prayers. But the angel did, that, that appeared to them just to let us know without a shadow of a doubt, that their prayers had, in fact, been heard. And so I just want to encourage you today with this. Even if you feel like your prayers have not been heard, 
Even if you feel like you put your prayers in that incense burner of God and that he did not hear them, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Man, my God always has an attentive ear. My God has an attentive ear. It's like Pastor Brent preached last week, man. When you're like, daddy, daddy, daddy. He's like, yes, son. Yes, daughter. I hear you. And even when you don't feel like he hears you, he hears you. Just because there's silence in heaven doesn't mean nothing's happening. Sometimes you just gotta... Sometimes you just gotta wait for it. Sometimes you just gotta wait for it. And the angel is standing there right beside the altar of incense as he says to Zechariah, man, God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. So I just want to restate that to everybody in this room today. Everybody that's watching online. God has heard your prayers. He has not turned a deaf ear to you. He has not forgotten about you. He does not have a cold heart towards you. He hears you. You understand that? He hears. He hears you. And there's nothing that he would rather hear than you. Than you. The angel says this. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will name him John. And there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll never drink wine or beer, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he'll go before, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and to turn the hearts of the children to their parents and the disobedient to the understanding to the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Finally, God speaks. Finally, God speaks. But it's not the curse. It's the promise. It, it's not boom and thunder rolls and the wrath of God falls from heaven, which is kind of what everybody was expecting at this point. It's not the curse. It's the promise. Because the promise always comes before the curse. And if you put your faith in the promise, you got nothing to worry about from the curse. And so he says to Zechariah, your wife is going to bear a son. And this is the message. Zach, God's about to change everything. And he wants to use you to do it. And what does Zechariah say? Oh, thank you, God. After 400 years, we've been waiting on this message and you finally showed up. What an amazing day it is. We need to have a feast and a celebration. We're going to prepare the way for the Lord. I can't wait. No, he doesn't say any of those things. He doesn't, he doesn't say any of those things. No. Instead, let me get it here so I have uh, the same translation as is on the screen. <laughs> Instead... He says this, how can I know this? An angel just appeared to him from heaven. How can I know this, Zachariah, the angel? For I'm an old man and my wife 
is old as dirt. That's not what it says. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's not what it says. My wife is well along in years. I doubt that's what he said. No, it probably is. You're right. It probably is. My wife is well along in years. Now look, we give Zechariah a lot of criticism about this, don't we? We really do. We give Zechariah a lot of criticism. I mean, this angel from heaven appears to him. First time God's spoken to anybody in 400 years. And we're like, man, he should have been amazed. He should have been worshipped. He should have been celebrating the fact that God was speaking to him. And yet we do the same thing all the time, don't we? We do the same thing. And, and so Zechariah had the same problem that we as Christians have here today. But like we that truly believe in God. I mean, we that, that, that you know, have been saved, we that have experienced the Holy Spirit, we that, that are, are really truly Christians, we, we have the same problem as Zechariah. We believe that God can. We just don't think that God will. We know he can. I mean, we believe that God spoke the world into existence with a word. We, we believe that Jesus Christ was dead for three days and came back to life just of his own volition because he felt like it. We believe that that's true. We know that he can. We know that he can heal the sickness in our lives. We know that he can save our souls and set us free. We know that he can break the chains of addiction. We know that he can bring prodigal children home. We, we know that he can do all these things. We know that he can do anything and everything, even if the world says he can. We just don't think he will. We, we think he'll heal somebody else, but he won't heal me. We think he'll save somebody else, but we just don't think he'll save me. We think that he'll bring other, other people's prodigal children home. We just don't think he'll bring ours home. We, we think he'll, he'll restore other marriages and bring them together, just not ours. It's, it's, it's a sickness. It really is. And, and it's one of the devil's greatest tools and greatest weapons against us. We just don't really believe that God loves us, do we? We don't, and, and that's what it comes down to. We don't really believe that God loves us because we know that if we were God, we wouldn't love us. And yet he does. He does. Romans 5, 8 says that he showed his great love that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He does. He loves you. And I don't care what you think about yourself. God thinks you're worth dying for. And I don't care what people have said about you. You know what God has said? He said you're beautifully and wonderfully made. That he knew you before you were knit together in your mother's womb. That he had plans for you. Man, God said that you're worth more to him than diamonds and rubies and all the stars in the sky. Man, that's what God said about you. And I don't know about you, but I'll take what God says about me over what I say about me and over what everybody on the face of this earth has to say about me because I am who he says I am. And you are who he says you are. Beautifully and wonderfully made. Worth coming off the throne and suffering everything that the world could throw at him so that he could save you. And Zechariah is the same. He's worth it to God. Elizabeth is worth it to God. Because John the Baptist is going to be worth it to God. And yet some people out there still think Chris Allen's crazy and it's not going to rain. But you know what? If God says it's going to rain, it's going to rain. And if God says a barren womb is going to bear a Baptist, guess what? It's going to happen. Can you say amen? Can you imagine the look on Gabriel's face? 
When like he comes to deliver this message, man, God is coming back. The Messiah is coming. Your child that Elizabeth's going to bear is going to be the one that's going to be the way maker that's going to go and prepare the way for the Lord. And Zachariah's like, nah, I don't really believe you. What? You ever go up to tell somebody something really cool? I mean, like the coolest thing ever. And they're like, this is stupid. You ever try to show your kid a movie that really means something to you? Yeah, yeah. You ever sit your son down and be like, okay, son, this is the greatest movie ever made. And you sit down with him and you're watching and you look over and he's on this stupid phone that I'm about to take and throw out the window. And then you look at him and you're like, watch the movie. And he's like, can I go play Minecraft? <laughs> and you're like, I hereby condemn Minecraft to the pits of hell. Minecraft will never be played in this house ever again. <laughs> but, I, but I just have to imagine that's kind of the same way that Gabriel felt in this moment, right? I mean, he's standing there looking at Zechariah, and this is the first time that God has spoken in 400 years. Do you understand how long 400 years is? 400 years ago, there was no United States of America. You understand? You know, this country that we love and support and is so awesome to us and that we're so worried about right now, 400 years ago, it did not exist, right? Nothing about it existed 400 years ago. You know, 400 years ago, all the stuff that stresses us out today as people didn't exist. 400 years, God has said nothing. God comes and speaks to Zechariah, and he's like, yeah, I mean, how do I know this? How do I know this? And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. I, I'm saying it like I think he said it. And to tell you this good news. Now listen. Now listen. You will become silent and unable to speak until the days that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in the proper time. Now, there's silence in heaven, and the silence in heaven has been broken. Now you're going to be silent until all these things take place. So now that the silence in heaven is over and God's decided to speak again, guess what? You're not going to until these things come to pass. And guess what? He was silent. And it did happen. Because that got quiet. And Elizabeth got pregnant. Which may or may not be connected. Maybe he just needed to hush. Guys are offended and the women are giggling. Maybe y'all just need to hush. And while she was pregnant, now this is, this is awesome. This is my favorite part of the story. While Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, her cousin Mary comes. And, and this is what we'll talk about next week is Mary's engagement with the angel. Mary's been, you know, impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the virgin has, has, is with child. 
And, and the Messiah is growing inside her and developing inside her. And she comes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is, is pregnant with, the, with John the Baptist, you know, the way maker, the one that will prepare the way for the Lord. And when they, when they meet, when they come together in this moment, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fills John the Baptist and the child leaps for joy inside her womb. If ever there was a testimony for standing for life and choosing life, this is it right here. Before this child is born, he recognizes the presence that we just talked about earlier. Man, John the Baptist was a lover of his presence. And as soon as pregnant Mary comes near Elizabeth, the baby begins to jump for joy in his mother's womb because he's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because the Messiah is close to him. The Messiah has come. The Messiah is right there. The very first one. The very first one to identify the Savior that was here in the flesh on earth was an unborn child. And he was jumping for joy in his mama's womb. Jumping for joy at the presence of God. So even before he was born, he was making a way. Even before he was born, he was preparing the way for the Lord. He jumped for joy because Jesus Christ was near him. Can somebody say amen? Look, I don't know where you're at in your life right now. But I want you to know this. The promise of Christmas. The promise of the coming Savior. The promise that was testified about by this baby that was born to Elizabeth and Zechariah that they would name John the Baptist. The promise that the kingdom of heaven is near. The promise that you can surrender your life to God through this man named Jesus and you don't have to worry about the curse, man. That promise is for you. Is for you. And everything that comes with that promise is for you. And man, maybe you've been wanting God to speak or move or, or do something in your life and you just felt like it wasn't happening. Well, I just want to tell you this. Just because there's silence in heaven doesn't mean nothing's happening. Sometimes you just got to wait for it. Sometimes you just got to wait for it. Because you know what? My God does everything at exactly the right time. He's never early. He's never late. He shows up right when he's supposed to show up and does exactly what he means to do. If you think your prayers haven't been heard, you're wrong. They have. If you think nothing's happening because you haven't heard him, you're wrong. He's moving. Even when you don't hear him, he's moving. Even when you don't see it, he's moving. Even when you can't feel it, he's moving. Sometimes... You just got to wait for it. Sometimes you just got to wait for it. But man, the promise is for you. Our children's ministry memory verse for this whole month is this, Malachi 7, 7. But I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. That's what we're teaching our kids. Sometimes they got to wait on God. But he hears them. He hears them.
I'll close with this. This is from the Revelation. Chapter 8. The Bible says this. Vince knows what I'm going to read. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. hear that something's happening just because you don't hear it doesn't mean it's not happening just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening verse 2 and I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them and another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before the Lord from the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from under the altar, and hurled it onto the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings and flashings of lightning, and an earthquake. You know, some people... Some people right now are thinking about me and my brothers in ministry. Like I thought about Chris Allen that day when I was standing in that old trailer. And they think I've lost my mind. And maybe I have. But I know one thing. Even if I forget everything else in my life, I know one thing. The storm of all storms is coming. The storm of all storms is coming. And I don't know about you, but when that storm arrives, I want the one that can calm the storm with his hand to be with me. When, when all hell breaks out on the earth, I want the one that has overcome hell to be standing beside me. When the wrath of God gets poured out on the earth, I want to be covered with the only thing that is more powerful than the wrath of God. And that, my friends, is the grace of God given to us by Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because one day, the silence will end and then boom the storm begins and sometimes sometimes we have to wait for it sometimes we have to wait for it sometimes we have to wait for that healing sometimes we have to wait for that reconciliation sometimes we have to wait that miracle that we've been praying for for so long but you know what we don't have to wait for anymore we don't have to wait 
for Jesus. Because he already came. He was born of a virgin and laid in a manger. He lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. He died on a cross for my sins and yours. And he rose again on the third day to prove that he was exactly who he said he was. So if you're here today and you're in need of a Savior, the wait is over. You don't have to wait anymore. All you have to do is cry out to Him and He will provide that for you. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. But you know what? He that knew no sin became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. And you don't have to worry about death because if you put your faith in Him, you will never die. And you can quote me on that. Yeah, this flesh will waste away, sure. This is not me. This is just a tent that I'm wrapped up in. This is me. And my soul belongs to Jesus Christ and yours can too. Because He showed His great love for us and while we were still sinners, He died for us. He showed his great love that on Christmas Day he was born and laid in that manger and took on flesh and blood and made himself less than he was. Humbled himself to death, even death on a cross for you. So that all that call on the name of the Lord can be saved. All. Not some, not a few, not even a whole bunch. All. Not the ones that got it right. Not the ones that were part of a certain denomination. Not the ones that were young enough or old enough or anywhere in between. Not the ones that did a bunch of evil stuff. Not the ones that did barely any evil stuff. All of them, man. Everybody, top to bottom, east to west, left to right, up and down. Everybody that would surrender themselves to his name can be saved. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, died on a cross for your sins, rose again on the third day, went back to heaven, if you believe that, if you confess with your mouth that he is the Lord of your life, you will be saved. The wait is over. 